Hey, Kev, it's time to record a new Smodcast. Fuck off. I'm listening to one of the other great shows on the Smodcast Podcast Network. Scott? There's so many to choose from. You damn skip it. There's so many to choose from. I'm on five every week myself, man. Uh, Hollywood Babylon on Monday. Smodcast with you on Tuesday. Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old on Wednesday with Jay Muse. Fat Man on Batman every Thursday. And then I wrap up the week with Edumacation with Andy McElfrish. There's so many to choose from. Hell yeah, son. And those aren't the only podcasts. Those are just the ones I'm involved with. What about the podcasts of Smodco that don't feature me, man? Like Tell Em Steve Dave. Last Week on Earth with Ben Glebe. I Sell Comics with Ming and Mike. There's so many to choose from. Hey, man, there's also Film School Fridays or NetHeads or Get Up on This, Team Jack. There's so many to choose from. The Breaks, man, Waking from the American Dream, Bagged and Boarded, Phoebe, Soundbite Nation. These are all the shows you could be listening to over at Smodcast.com, Scott. There's so many to choose from. And if audio's not enough for you, man, if you're just like, no, I want the thick dick of video as well, man, we can go to our YouTube channel, which is C-Smod, or you can watch Comic Book Men, our show on AMC, following The Walking Dead and The Talking Dead every Sunday. Sunday night. There's so many to choose from. That's right, Scott. There are so many to choose from. So get choosing, kids. Go to smodcast.com. Start getting picky, man. Stick these sweet, sweet oral sounds into your ear pussies. There's so many to choose from. You said that already. There's so many to choose from. I am a green Welcome to Bagged and Boarded. I told you I'm podcasting again. Like, I'm going to tell you every episode until I've consistently been back for like five years. Because I realized um, this show has been on the air for almost five years now, and uh, which you think is impressive. I tell people that, and they're like, oh my god. You're like one of the most prolific podcasters ever. However, I've only done like 150 episodes. So theoretically, I'm in like my second year. So we're catching up. We're doing shit. And um, today I am chilling with a pal of mine who uh, was first pitched to me as a podcast guest like probably about four years ago. And at the time, I was like, shut up. I don't care. And now uh, I'm out of ideas. So here she is. No, I'm kidding. Um, I got to know her as a person. And uh, at the time, the the project she was involved with that was pitched to me didn't seem like my cup of tea. But I've, I've henceforth seen it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the star of Birdemic and Birdemic 2, Shock and Awe. Shock, shock and terror. Shock and terror. The I'm second sorry. one's the resurrection. Okay, you haven't done your research at all. Uh, I saw it. That was at the <laughs> premiere. Please welcome Whitney Moore. Hi, internet. Hi, hi, internet. How are you? I'm having an internet kind of day. Uh, I should also say that Whitney has been on a much botter, uh, botter. I'm making up words today <laughs> for Krampus. Uh, Misty, uh, Misty, I'm really fucked up now. Whitney's been on a much better podcast than mine, uh, How Did This Get Made, which we'll talk about too. Oh, yeah. You might know her from her appearance on that. I met Weird Al. It was so cool. Pod nerds. Um, Whitney, I know you because you're friends with all my friends. 
Yeah. Then you're my friend. That's how I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first time I met you, which you didn't even remember, nor did I for years, was at, uh, it was on this podcast too. It was the night at Golden Apple Comics where Ziggy Marley put out a comic book called Marijuana Man. Oh, yeah. With Jim Mothood. And I've actually got the book. And um, I went there to interview Ziggy Marley. And... In the back, uh, in the back parking lot at Golden Apple, they used to have like parties and shit for the signings, and they had like weed smoothies. And I was like, "This is the coolest party ever!" And then there were people in these like adult onesies, like a, oh a group of like three people. One of them approached me and was like, "Hi, I'm so and so. I represent so and so a company." Here's a chick. She's the star of Birdemic. You should have her on your podcast. And I, I it might have been the weed smoothies, and it might have been the fact that I was tired. But at, at that moment, I was like, I ain't having it. You know, I don't know what Birdemic is. I don't know who you people are with the onesies. In retrospect, I own a bunch of those onesies, and I've seen both movies, and I own them. So, um, you own really? Yeah, Aww, you're the best. I'm a friend. I actually forgot about that night since then, and then you reminded me, and. Literally, all I remember is meeting you, and there was a girl covered in like gold body paint. Do you yes, remember that? I do remember she did, that. Like a stripping thing, and I thought that was weird. So, which weirdly enough, I think that girl was with the people you were with. No, I don't know because there was a show at the Smod Castle that was put on by those same folks with the onesies. Uh, they did two shows, and one of the shows, a girl painted in gold tased someone. Oh yeah, Phoenix Jones, the real superhero. Yeah, I, he was actually my first interview that I ever did. Phoenix with, Jones you know, was that wizard. I, I he oh, came over right. to you my were... house on a Saturday and I made him pancakes, and he was like in full. He ate the pancakes in the he mask. Was really polite, but he was like would not take his costume off. I don't know if, if you guys don't remember about like three years ago, there was a short-lived. I don't want even want to say fad because that's giving it too much. There were like 10 people across America who got publicity for dressing up as superheroes and basically being like kick-ass kind of. Oh, I thought you were going to go a different way with that. I thought you were going to say there was a short-lived time that Wizard Magazine had was a thing. Oh, no, but that that wasn't short-lived. It was the cons that were short-lived. Yeah. That magazine was around for a while, but we can get to that, too. But um, there were real-life superheroes, and the most famous of them, or at least the most publicity-hungry, was this dude named Phoenix Jones. <laughs> and you had him over to your house and made him pancakes? Yeah, he was my first interview. I thought it was super cool. And then... Um, he got into... Muddy hates vigilantes. He yeah, thinks that the police should criminal. take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he um, then got into like all this crazy publicity where they had like an ex... Because he was an MMA fighter. So they had like another MMA fighter reveal who his identity was. And it was uh, it was ridiculous. He got arrested at one point, I believe, yeah. uh, for punching... A, I don't know why. I was going to say punching a woman, but I don't think that's true at all. That's just me being libelous. His uh, origin story... Even at the time when I was like, oh, this is cool, it sounded so contrived. I don't, do you remember it? It was like, I was taking my sons to the water park yes. and someone broke into my car and then it was this mask and somebody left it and he's like, now I wear that mask every day. Um, So that dude got tased on the stage of the Smod Castle, <laughs> at which point I killed all the lights and was like, nope, into the loudspeaker. Like, we're not going to be tasing people in the theater that I'm fucking financially liable for. So. This is a good call. Um, and but I got a picture with them, so it all worked out. I didn't get a pot smoothie that night. No, they were good. I think they were real. I I couldn't get over, like I couldn't believe that they were real because we were in a parking lot of a comic book store. Do you just like take a bunch of pot and like 
put it in with some ice. That sounds gross. I think there's probably a little bit more technology yeah. in it than that. To be fair, I was already high, so who knows if the smoothies actually worked. But it, like, if you tell me anything has pot in it after I'm stoned, I'm going to be like, oh my God, this is the oh, best thing ever. Leave it to them. Pot water? Oh. <laughs> Genius. Um, so I met you years ago, and then uh, we, we reconnected... Uh, did I meet you at Comic-Con? No, it was right after Comic-Con, probably two years ago yeah. or so. And um, by that point, I had heard of Birdemic. <laughs> I had seen Birdemic. Um, and I was like, all right, now now I get it a little. I get where she's coming from a little bit more. Whitney, now knowing you pretty well for a while, um, how the fuck did Birdemic happen? And why did Birdemic happen? And, like, I don't know the story. I know you were living in NorCal, and you were, like, super young and... Yeah, yeah, it was it was my first movie, and were you had you always wanted to be an actress? Yeah, my yeah, absolutely, and um, like in the annoying sense, yes, very much. Like (laughs) imagine like shithead Whitney, fifteen year old, being like raging, fuck you, I will do what you tell me, mom and dad, I'm gonna go to LA, be famous. Like, did did they not want you to take like the three hour drive south to try to be famous? They wanted me to go to college. (laughs) <laughs> to, to do what in particular or just, go to, just go to college like, it's important and actually last year they were both like hey we know that you suck at college and that you want to be an actor so go do that and i was like last year they yeah, said dad. that uh yeah after I you'd already was, started two feature films i think yeah yes i mean bad ones but they were like okay you, you can do this but like have a backup plan which i'm sure a lot of creative types get from their parents but then they were the dopest parents ever and were like follow your dream that's super cool so they embraced it yeah so you'd always wanted to be an actress you were living at home right yeah yeah i had just graduated high school and i had just turned 18 and i was like cool now i can like take a little time um you know to try and get some some film acting work done and um i uh auditioned that was one of the first auditions that i went to off of some like website that you send your resume to and i auditioned in a parking lot and were they auditioning only people from your town? Them is just the one man, James Wynn. Was James Wynn just him with a handy cam in a parking lot? Like it was that should have been the first red flag right there. Cause it was like he gave me sides that were not from the movie. And I did it and he was like, Great, I like your look. And then he called me an hour later and he was like, I'd like to offer you the lead role in my feature. And I of course like flipped my shit. Of course. And it was so exciting. Some dude in a parking lot just said <laughs> you could be the star of his movie. And some dude in a parking lot mind you, not in Hollywood, like hours and hours north, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was not Did he live was- up there? Yeah. Okay. He, he was living, and I, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but he was living with his mother at the time. And, um, you know, we started, things started off also shaky. Like, there's no, there's no point where I look back on the filming process and I'm like, okay, this, I could conceivably, logically think that this would be a good movie because from the first weekend, they were like, two people that were a part of the set got fired or one person quit because he was just yelling all the time and then it became just this like him and the other actor and me traveling around and shooting stuff and like me occasionally sobbing because we get yelled at at what point and you did, you did you ever mentally check out on the first one or because this was your first movie you were trying to do good right yeah you know our alan the other actor and i were just like okay nobody's ever gonna see this so let's do just practice and you know it'll be good and 
okay, it's been seven months and we're still filming, but you know, it's cool. How not... often for seven months? So like how? It was every weekend for seven months. So not days straight, but it took up a lot of my time. Yeah. Did you, now had you read the entire script at any point? He didn't give us, this, he didn't give us the script. Oh God. Um, he gave us the script in thirds and he said that that was because he wanted it to be a surprise. At any point did you think he was, go was he going to murder you? Like yes. this was an elaborate um, plot. There was actually one and I, I don't talk about it that much, but there was one night where it's he a got scoop. really drunk on set and he was very mad because he, um, Alan at the time was living in Sacramento and we would carpool up together and he was like you can't hang out with him outside of shooting I think that he thought we were going to fall in love and get distracted from our jobs or something and there was one night where it was really late and I was like you can just crash at my house in San Jose and I'll give you a ride and he found out and got just like so fucking yelly and mad and got really drunk. And then Damien Carter, the guy who sings the um, Hanging Out With My Family song, he drove me home that night and was like, because he had been in, he'd been in his last movie before that. And was there a movie reason, before Birdemic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He does like, he goes through his whole cycle of Hitchcock films. Uh, what's, How many uh, James Wynn movies were there? I think there are three and then like one uh the last one that he did that he completed was like his vertigo and i haven't seen it i think it's called replica were you not invited back for that one i was not <gasps> it was not is it over well birdemic three Bur you know what's so funny about birdemic three is that like i was just thinking about this this morning how just this last april we were doing a tour and it seems like so much has changed since then and we went like all across the country to tour we met amazing fans who like made t-shirts and stuff and every single city that he went to he was like oh eugene oregon this is where birdemic 3 is gonna be and like he did that in europe there's gonna be a lot of fucking disappointed i don't and know birdemic maybe. 3 never comes out <laughs> or like he pro he made promises he's like new york city this we're gonna film it here it's gonna and take like, place at the tar pits like every other fucking birdemic oh, movie God. um well he also thinks that he's gonna get a 20 million dollar 3D picture deal. So that was what they said at the uh, premiere. Yeah, uh, 3D. Yeah, yeah. Redemic 3D, man. That's a plan. Um. So after seven months of shooting, when when you guys were done, were you just like, oh, okay, that was a thing I did? Did you? I mean, you got paid, obviously, right? But I mean, kind of. Probably not a lot. Yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. I not not really not SAG scale. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, honestly, afterwards, I was kind of traumatized and i was really just because there was there was so much yelling and you know i was young and he, he was my boss and like everybody has bad bosses and i just wanted to finish it and do my job and he was just really awful what stopped you from walking knowing that it was a horrible movie knowing that he was a bad boss and it couldn't quit my first project you know i figured that like everybody has their first bad bosses and stuff and so alan and i kept each other in check there was a period of time where he wouldn't the director james wouldn't speak to me because he <laughs> i don't know what i did he thought that i was being disrespectful and this was back when like for a period of time, everybody hated Catherine Hagel because she like dissed ER or something. Oh, oh, and or like, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Grey's yeah, Anatomy. Yeah. And he was like, you're just like, you're just like fucking Catherine Hagel. You're so disrespectful and you don't care about your project. And I, 
okay, I did this. Now I remember because he was yelling at people in Half Moon Bay that weren't part of the production, but were just like passersby. <laughs> and also the van that we shot the movie in that was his van, it kept breaking and like literally filling up with smoke. And so I was like, I need a break there's nothing good that's happening and he yelled at me and then for two weeks later he and any of his direction he would do from alan he'd be like alan tell the actress that she needs to stand a foot to her left (laughs) see birdemic one i mean if you guys don't know what birdemic is um check it out but birdemic is definitely other than the room probably the most successful like bad movie of of the last like let's say decade even it, it found a yeah. it found a cult like a giant cult following it did and that's i mean like as much as i can look back and be like wow that was fucked but everything good has come out of it and i've met most of my best friends through it just people who like that kind of thing and it's weird because now i'm more keen on noticing when films are bad on purpose and i don't know if that's like but that's the thing with Bern- so so if you folks haven't seen it it's I mean, Whitney's the lead of it. She will probably back me up. It's fucking horrible. Literally everything that could go wrong in a movie goes wrong. The sun drops out the first For the longest time, like, I'm a fan of The Room. I don't know if you, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of The Room. And for the longest time after I saw Birdemic, I was like, bullshit. I was like, I think Tommy Wiseau was trying to make the best movie ever made and made the worst. And that's why The Room's so great. I was like, I don't think this Birdemic dude was trying to make a good movie. I think, I was like, there's no human on the planet that could think the stuff in Birdemic was not the worst stuff ever. And then you talk to him for five minutes. Yeah. And and you're like, oh. And then I saw like clips and behind the scenes footage and went to the premiere and heard him talk and was like, oh my God. Yeah. Birdemic is way worse than The Room. It's. It's insane its level of like like not even like amateur college movies are that bad. No. I've I've never still have never seen anything that bad. And it's weird. And most of it might come down to the editing. It's like the especially Birdemic Two. Like the opening shot of Birdemic Two is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen on a movie screen. It's like it it keeps finding ways to get dumber. And the two the two best reactions I probably had from like touring with it has been people will either come up to me and accuse me of being like, you did this on purpose, like I get what you're trying to do, or people assume that I'm as dumb as the movie. So they're like, so do you know why everybody's here? Like, so it's really funny. The reactions oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's. It's weird because you were talking about him and I like, you know, deciding to go back and do the second one. I really struggled with it because at a certain point it becomes exploitive and that's what I was worried about. And also I didn't want it to like anybody to think that it was intentional and I didn't think it, you know, maybe getting too many hands in it for a second one, it would not work. I don't think that lightning can strike twice, but as it turns out, he totally can make yeah. a movie that's just as dumb. Yeah. Um, and my and, and I don't know if you'll cop to this, and if you want me to cut it out, I will. But my favorite part about Birdemic 2 is that um, your performance is a little bit different than it was in Birdemic yeah. 1. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, I will cop to that. Okay. So other other than the movie being atrocious on every level, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe well, what you're doing without like, making it sound like y- you tried to stop. Because you weren't trying to sabotage it all. I wasn't trying to sabotage it, but like, I you were just doing what they would do. Like, what would you do? And like, you were in your own movie within a movie, and your movie was the was way weirder than Birdemic (laughs) Two. 
Well, okay, here's where that started was that he didn't want me especially and Alan to be in the second one because he wanted to start from scratch and make a good movie. And he d- didn't want people And he to be knew like- why people like he knows why people like Birdemic One. He doesn't he's not under the illusion that they actually enjoy it, is he? I'm, no, I'm I'm not convinced that's true because he'll laugh he'll go to the screenings and laugh at different parts that people are laughing. He'll laugh when a bird dies. Like he and he'll still like till Till the grave, I'm sure, defend that it's a movie with a message. And I, I think that he kind of gets it. Ecology, I mean, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like war or something. Like, I don't know. Bird but war. He, he really, he really stands by it. And that's something I guess to be commended. But um the second time around, I like Was it I a much bigger production? I mean, much bigger in the fact that we had contracts and you were in LA that I had to have lunch and like there were lunch breaks and like he wasn't allowed to get drunk on was it set. was it sag the second one I think yeah I think it was sag ultra low budget um and it was I went into it with a different attitude because um I knew that he couldn't hurt me he he like had no actual power whereas before when it was my first movie I was like okay this guy's my boss and I think he might be insane um but this one it was more like the crew not not the crew against him but everybody had their own you know nobody nobody really cared about his tantrums is what I'm saying and, and so and speaking of which the the thing that to me is the biggest shame and I hope someone has to have the footage maybe James Wynn does but like there was like a 5 minute behind the scenes video of Birdemic 2 that went up online yeah i would watch 10 hours of Birdemic behind the scene I, like i would watch i i can't describe how fascinated i am with James Wynn the man well that's it's interesting that you say that because that's the whole reason i did the second one aside from people telling me i'd be an asshole if i didn't uh one of my best friends bobby hacker dp'd on it so that he could continue this documentary he'd been working on for years he followed him around he let james stay in his house um, and he was like, I want to catch everything this time. And there's hours of footage. And he's the most interesting part of this, you know? It's Will like, it ever come out, that footage, do you think? Or can, does know. he have a way of stopping it? He he doesn't have a way of stopping it, but I think... Um, just fucking... I mean, I don't know if you could sell it, but just put it on YouTube for the, uh, the world. Yeah, it's... I mean, I always... I mean, believe me, I tell him all the time, but that's, like, that's the part of Birdemic that people like, is because even, like, this this insane vision... It's, it's the same endearing. with The Room, too. It's yeah, Tommy. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. stand behind their creative vision, and even if they're insane and really diluted, it's endearing, because it's, like... I mean, maybe it's even more endearing, because it's, like, I believe in myself and my project so much, so... Um. Yeah, I don't know. Now, you want obviously. Uh, your your goal in being an actress wasn't to be in the worst movies ever made. No, um, I won't. I wouldn't regret it though. How does it? How did it? If it did affect your career in terms of like, do you put it on resumes? Do you tell? Do you? You obviously have to tell people because you're the lead of two films that people know about. Yeah, but at the same point, I'm sure. I'm sure there's always that. You know what I mean? Especially if they've seen them. If they've seen the movies, you might be okay because you're not bad in them. Yeah, especially the second Thank you. one. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, I know I'm not trying to be a dick, but like in in, I, and I don't mean to be rude to anyone else in the cast. And the dude in the first one's not awful either. But like everyone, I mean, he's pretty bad. Everyone in those fucking movies is atrocious. Yeah, and you know it's okay. To answer your question, um, 
it it's affected me more positively than it has negatively and i don't regret it because i mean it's hard to put on a reel because you can't take it out of context but if it's on my resume people either know about it or they don't and if they do chances are they like a lot of the same things that i like and so i've had some really good work relationships come of that um and you know I don't know what my career so far would have been if I had just come down here and started auditioning. But I think that it definitely, um, especially because like I have my personality and my own feelings on the project. And I feel like when people hear that, it changes their perspective yes, a little bit. 100%. So. And the fact that you, and when that's the other weirdest thing about the room, in, in the room, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, it's Krampus, man. It's got me, it got me all crazy. <laughs> Krampus tree. It's got me all crazy. That's um, a great tree. Thank you. I got a Krampus tree. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> the thing with Birdemic is that, like, especially at the premieres, how openly everyone talks honestly about their experience in front of James Wynn. Like, no one is... Li- n- there's not a single actor. It's 99% of the time when someone does a movie, even if it's the worst movie ever made, they'll go, oh, it was a fun experience, and, you know, we all... We- you guys are... It's like you got through a war almost. Oh, my God. I have felt more like the grizzled war veteran the second time around than any other experience because I've just been like, there's nothing... I'm, there's nothing he could throw at me that would surprise me anymore. And... I think that people are so honest about it on stage because that's what people like, that they want to hear those stories. And for a while, I really fought that because I'm a nice person and I didn't want to be like, this dude's insane right in front of me. Um, And I didn't want also, we're dealing with somebody who maybe very clearly has a lot of uh, mental issues and I didn't want to be bullying. I didn't want to be exploitive. I I felt bad in the Q&A I saw for him because... Both the audience and the fucking producer of the second movie, who kind of seemed like a slimy guy in general. Um, he is the one who has the footage for the documentary, oh, by oh. the way. So we'll see if we ever... Not a slimy that. guy, the best guy ever. Yeah. And then <laughs> slimy like he's smooth like butter. Because, um, you know, when people describe butter as being slimy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite kind of food is yeah. slimy food. Um, people were, like, making fun of the guy who clearly... Is kind of in on the joke, but like, in it really, really isn't. I think that he understands it in a different way, and he's just happy that people are looking because now he's he's not even. I haven't heard a word about Birdemic three from no. him. God, God knows what I would think about that. But he is like, last I heard, he went to Vietnam to um to shoot his his Vietnam movie that he wanted to shoot, and so he's like, he's trying to use it as a platform for his own projects, which is great, and. That particular screening felt a bit like, hey, look at this freak show. It was also a very, like, hipster Hollywood, like, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for him that night, but then I heard some stories about him, and I was like, I don't fucking feel bad anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole attitude that I have towards him, is that, like, I have, I've never hated anybody before, before I met him, and I just, like, there's so much stuff that really got to me. But then at the other side, he's like this bewildered. He's like Mr. Magoo. And he's like, he doesn't have control. And so, I don't know. It's it's a tricky wicket. It's strange, man. So, and you guys got to tour, which must have been cool, right? Yeah. It Well, okay. That was a weird time because I was traveling with that producer and Alan, who are great but i i don't connect with them really um you know alan and i have a relationship because we went through all that stuff together but like he um 
Well, know, he's it, not going to hear this, but he I was reading Stephen King on the plane and he was like, hey, that's the guy who wrote Goosebumps, right? Yeah. So we're just different. I get it. And I said, yeah. Well, it's also this, too. It's like if you were in a fucking POW camp with someone, it's not like you're going to chill when you get out. Yeah. Like you've seen enough of that person in really fucked up extreme circumstances that like, you know what I mean? Either yeah. you get married or you never speak again. Yeah. It's and, that sort you know, of deal. We're, just, we're very like. I don't know, we're all very different people. And so it was a lot like I was traveling alone. Oh, yeah. And also, how could I forget? James was there drunk every second of it. And so I was like, kind of in this place where I was going cross country with them. And did you um, feel unsafe? At times, well, you know, New York got better because I had friends there. But then there were like, there are times where I would just be out with with James and Alan, and they'd be getting super drunk. And I'd be like, what? what the fuck is happening? Like, what do I do? <laughs> and Eugene was really cool because there were a bunch of kids who, like, made t-shirts and Eugene, brought us... Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like and, a stoner like, town. Brought us... They were so cool. It was this kid who was his class president in high school and he got kicked out. He got kicked out, I think, of being the class president because he used the keys to open up, like, the science room to do a screening of Burdemic. That's awesome. And they, like, made t-shirts. And so that was really cool. But, That's super cool. Uh, most of the time, it just was fucking weird. Do people ever recognize you from it? Uh, at Comic-Con. Do they really? Yeah, at comic And that would be the place to do I it. I guess so, yeah. Um, but there have been a couple, there have been, a, I mean, a couple, like, screenings around here. And no matter what, if it ever happens again, I will just always be surprised because i don't expect people to know about it and then i don't know what kind of reaction they have beyond that so my initial reaction is like to apologize and And if what if they and you don't want to insult you don't want to insult someone who it's their favorite movie on a non-ironic level or i can't believe there are many of those there well there are a lot of people who are like I think generally people are rooting for the movie and then a lot of people, you know, it gets a little insidious. And then most people, when we were touring the first time around with Severin, were like, yeah, you you did this on purpose. Like, good on you. And they were like, they had this like secret film society knowledge that they were like, oh, I can tell. They're smart marks if you want to use a wrestling term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, okay, I get get what you guys did there. Wink. Um, have you, yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, so, so other than Birdemic, you've done some other stuff, man. It's not just all Birdemic. Not all Birdemic. Um, and hopefully it won't ever all be Birdemic. (laughs) (laughs) Birdemic's Whitney Moore. Um, you wrote for Wizard for a while. Yeah, that was my first job when I came down here. And that's how I met uh, my good friend, Chloe Dykstra. And it was weird because they were, um, you know, I, read the pricing guide as a kid and like it's it's been around for a really long time but they wanted to make this jump into digital content and like do articles and you know have like a hosting presence so chloe and i were uh, hired to do articles and she was doing xbox reviews and i was doing comic book and occasionally playstation reviews and uh they would fly us out as hosts to be the wizard world girls and like interview people and that's how i discovered i hate interviewing people on camera it's the worst <laughs> yeah, it sucks uh, but i like writing so that sort of started that there's just and i mean <laughs> we both currently interview people but not on camera yeah yeah we, we both of us currently write for nerdist.com yes and it's that's just and though i love it interviewing people will and you want to hear it was fucking weird yeah i've literally been do, like oh, i'm interviewing you right now technically but it's not Oh, yeah, because you don't have to fucking transcribe it. That's the well, it's, worst it's thing It's transcribing. Ever. It's also, it doesn't feel like an interview. There's no pressure of, 
you've got fucking 20 seconds or five minutes or whatever it is, even if it's 10 minutes to talk to someone, because in 10 minutes, if you don't know someone, there's no way that you can introduce yourselves, build up a little bit of a rapport and get the questions in that you need to for your article. Well, that's why on-screen hosting is the worst. The worst because you have even less time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have less time. I mean, I remember them prepping like things and at conventions, people get so, so into what their thing is that you feel terrible if you screw it up. So if you get prepped for a minute ahead and you don't give a shit about whatever you're interviewing and you're like, hey, Tell me about your next thing. Was it fun? Was it a fun? Tell me crazy stories from the set. Like, it's just, it's always, and I feel like they hate it. Whoever's being interviewed hates it. And and it's just a weird, I feel like we're in a world now where there's so much content and especially celebrities. Like, it's not like back in the day, like you do, like someone would do like three late night interviews a year and like a couple press things when a movie came out. Like, we are overexposed with what celebs are fucking thinking. Yeah. And there's such a, I mean, the, even the term celebrity has changed so much because we're so inundated with like content, people getting famous and YouTube. And a lot of that is really great because it gives people more of an opportunity to express themselves. But also you have to deal with a lot of shit. And at the end of the day, I feel like you're just oversaturated. Well, I feel like to a larger extent, too, that's why people really gravitate towards podcasts. And I hate to say it, but like reality shows, because instead of a three minute interview with your favorite celebrity on the couch on fucking Conan, you get an hour and a half conversation or however many hours in a season of a reality show, you actually get to know them and feel like you are engaged in a conversation, which is what people want. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? And it's isn't it weird that there's like, there's such a struggle now, especially I think with people that we know to be um, personalities that their job is to interview celebrities and creative people and so that's like a that's a whole nother lucrative career right now is just being somebody a who pundit yeah yeah a like a pop culture yeah like I, like a nerd know? pundit like like I feel bad because that's kind of our job yeah totally no 100 percent. it's just it's just strange though i'm not saying it's a bad thing but it's it's just really weird it's weird and people the, the fact especially like on youtube the fact that people try to get famous as like personalities and that's such a i mean it's true and it's it's a thing that is probably not going to let up anytime soon but it's somebody instead of making something you have you have your personality and your show and you try to make whatever that is interesting totally and i'll like i'll be on like let's get let's get real for a sec if you want i had a thing very recently where like um i had a bit of a disappointment on, on like a uh let's call it like a an internet based thing and i was i was like really bummed out and then i was like what the fuck am i bummed out about like i didn't move to la to be famous on youtube videos or to have a lot of twitter followers and you get lo- and honestly i'm being honest like you you get lost in that sometimes oh being God, out here yeah. like you forget that like oh shit i want to be a writer i don't want to be a tweeter do you know what I mean? Yeah, you have to like step back. I have to do this to myself all the time and be like, it's just the internet. And that comes, you know, it's a, obviously a huge influence, but people place so much value on. I mean, now even as an actor, you have to, people will look at your Twitter page and they'll of look course. at it. Yeah, because they know they want to see how many social media, fo- they want to see how many followers you have because now social media is super important in the casting of films it's because, it, I mean, it. I had a friend recently, I asked him at a party, I was like, what are you up to, man, work-wise? And he was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just working on my, my brand, like developing my brand. And I went, I said to him, I was like, by brand, do you mean your YouTube page? And he was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, that's kind of a bummer, because you wanted to design video games. 
Oh man, do you know what I mean? Like that's what you move. It's yeah. it's. I have a lot of those moments, and I get and like, and I'm only saying it because I very recently got found myself caught up in it and had to take a step back and be like, it doesn't even matter. No, and you it's know, just it's, vanity and ego to a large extent. That's most of it, but I mean, it just depends on if you're able to sell it. And it's so weird how many people have like tried to give me advice about that because they're like, Whitney, I meet you. And you're a nerd girl. Cause first of all, fuck you. Nerd. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank cool. you. Thank you, dude. Um, uh, very recently, like, I was on a thing where uh, they described, they were like, check out these nerds. And I was like, Shut I don't up. even look like a nerd, you fucking jerk. Okay, like, you play video games and that makes you a nerd. That's literally everyone ever in the United I States. I just like the stuff I like. Yeah. Like, leave me alone. Like, and A, I like the word geek better and I kind of self identify with that a little bit. But even that is just like, the nerd girl thing went from like, let's, it's like the slut shaming thing. It's like, let's fucking destroy every girl who self-identifies as a nerd. Yeah. And then after that, every girl started self-identifying as a nerd. Every, let's think of more things that the internet has ruined. Um, no, but seriously, like so many people have come up to me and be like, you should try to make that your brand and you should try to sell that because you like comics and video games and all that stuff and you should that should be like your thing. And first of all, you, like I'm, I'm so fucking just fundamentally against making your hobbies, your personality and making like your your interests what what you represent because that's not you and if you try to sell that that's ugh, that's selling gross. you're selling your like what it just grows and it's also like you're a fucking actress yeah that why do you need to work on to your like, brand yeah, i don't it's i don't know there there's so many actors down here and yeah there is a lot of truth in the fact that you have to sell up you have to sell a part of your personality <laughs> of course and your interests make your personality so i understand that but it all goes wrong when people are like, this is what I represent. And unless you are trying to be a mouthpiece for that community, you using like, oh, I am I'm an audiophile. I'm super into music. And like, I am like, you know, a great person at video games or whatever, trying to use that to like make yourself a celebrity or, or successful or whatever. It's just gross. It's so gross. It's just strange, man. And and, and I only, <clears throat> excuse me, I only wanted to go into that further because literally it just, it just happened to me and I started a new thing on the podcast where like, if if I want to talk about an emotional thing, I'll talk about it, man. Who cares? Good. It's like yeah. my therapy. Let's my, get real. It's a free therapy session. Um, and what's weird, okay, actually I'm going to be charging you. So What's weird is that I like, know people both of you and i know people who like recognize that there's a certain especially with women there's a certain amount of falseness that goes into like posing with a game boy or whatever but like people recognize that and then still do it and it's it works is the worst thing yeah, of course <laughs> it works like it's it will always work yeah, it, do you know what i mean like and yeah. that's that's the sad thing is that it it will always work like I wonder when the bubble bursts on a the YouTube culture in general, b the social media things, c the nerd um, chic thing, because they're not going to last forever. At a certain point, it will be late, it will be considered not cool to be into comics again. Yeah, like nothing. It, everything really everything is cyclical. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, it's it's just so like I I was in. I always bring up this example, but like I went to Target today to buy my Krampus tree. Excuse me, Krampus. <laughs> um, guten Krampusnacht. Uh, and back in the day, like if you wanted to buy, let's even say a Spider-Man t-shirt or like a Superman t-shirt, you have to go to a comic book store. 
One hundred percent. Yeah. Like that's the only, where else the fuck else would you buy topic, comic book maybe. stuff? I'm talking like even pre hot topic though. When I was like, like, you know what I mean? In the early nineties, let's say. No, in the early nineties, I was like nine. Yeah, I was like thirteen. <laughs> no, uh, whatever. However old I am, I'm old. But um, it, exactly. You. It was niche. You're right though. No, the fact and I now I... you can buy a Superman or a Batman or a Spider Man or a Green Lantern or whatever the fuck it is. In every store, every supermarket, and every chain store in America, you can get a onesie, and yeah. that's like that's you can buy a Captain America blanket yeah. right now at Kmart. Yeah, and the fact that that's, I mean, yeah, movies, whatever, big influence, but like the fact that you can be a sexy Robin, sexy lady Robin for Halloween, that is just ridiculous. Proof that it has trickled down so much, yes. and it's it's not even. And look, to, to, in all fairness to the chicks out there who are sexy Robin for Halloween and are big Robin fans, good on you. Like, that's cool that you get to own that. But I doubt many of the women wearing it are are, are like, can answer which one are they, Grace and Todd or fucking, uh, do you know what I mean? And see, that's, Drake. that's like, so weird because, like, I get in that mindset, too. But then I'm like, wait, am I being like a nerd girl shamer because I am just assuming this person doesn't know anything because they're dressed like sexy Robin? And I totally am. And it sucks. But it's ugh. people don't buy those costumes or like you know get get that shit for to connect and we're not talking about cosplaying at all because that's an entirely different fucking subject god cosplaying is awesome it's so we're talking about like the the sexy catalog costumes yeah and like or just like even like a t-shirt it's like there's there is a slim chance that anybody will they they just want they just want to be cool, you know. Yeah, and, and look, all I all I want to do is be cool. The but the pro our, our weird problem is that for so long we weren't cool because of the stuff we liked, and now that it is cool, we hate it for some reason. I do mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're no, like our parents or something. Nobody like, nobody likes to have their culture co opted, you know. And it doesn't matter. It's like stoner culture, like. Our culture is Whatever. owned by Disney now, for the most part. Yeah, it's it's super weird. Which is great because like, I like Disney, but like. I mean, I'm not as affected because I like I haven't read a superhero comic in like four years. I honestly haven't really. Yeah, <laughs> I read I, Hawkeye. I read Hawkeye so Hawkeye is super good, but I read mostly manga and stuff, which you also yeah, are into. And, like, yeah, like Independence and stuff, and so that's hard to that's hard to own unless you're Shia LaBeouf. What the fuck? That's crazy. Yeah, topical. Very topical. <laughs> this podcast is going out in a year though, so no one oh, will know what we're talking it. about. I like to save them. <laughs> let, let them for next Krampus. Yeah, it's next year's Krampus episode. Um, speaking of Krampus, I'll get to it. I'm gonna keep calling it that. <laughs> uh, so I've had this weird thing this holiday season, and I always have it every year. And and like, if you don't, if you can't relate to it, it's the fucking Kyle thing from the episode of South Park. Like, being Jewish on Christmas sucks. And B, I ain't even fucking Jewish. Like, I'm an atheist. So well, let me tell you that it Christmas sucks no matter what. So don't feel like you're missing out. But okay. That the double whammy was I do not want the like gotta fly home for the holidays and do that shit. All I want are like shiny lights and cool geek ornaments. Like I want to be able to buy able to buy speaking of what we were just talking about, like Batman ornaments and like fucking weird like Those are things that exist. I've been putting anime gosh. So anyway, for the last like two weeks I've been really struggling with like, all right, A, I'm Jewish, B, I'm an atheist. Can I really get a Christmas tree without feeling creepy about it? Because for yeah, some reason, yeah. that's what I and thought. you decided, yes. Well, some, a friend helped me. Um, I, I brought it up to a friend the other night. I was at a friend's house the other night, and there were like Christmas. it was a Christmas party, and I realized um, his wife was Christian, but or I don't even know if she's fucking Christian, whatever, she's a white person. <laughs> but, but my friend was Jewish, and I was like, dude, 
are you like how is it being like jewish or whatever born jewish and like all the christmas stuff and he was like dude it's a pagan fucking winter harvest festival he's like also krampus and i was like oh shit i'm gonna start celebrating krampus knocked is so that... that's my new thing. It's the night before Christmas where the evil monster dude comes to kill children. Yeah, the Krampus. That's yeah. his name, right? Okay, Krampus. I saw... There's... I don't remember what the brand is, but there are these... Um, There's this brand that sells Krampus sweaters, and, like, they also sell, like, Slayer Christmas sweaters. I saw, you you tweet, did you Facebook or tweet about it or yeah, something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're yeah. so cool. They're, like... There's, like, Satan, like, knitted pattern sweater, and they're really nice sweaters. So and that was really, my... Ju- they have a Krampus one, too. That was my justification. Cool. Now, here's another thing I never knew what I would encounter because I've never had to do this before. Or, um, Whitney was coming over at like uh, noon to record the podcast. So at like ten, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna run across the street to Target or Kmart or whatever and buy like a little fake Christmas tree, and I'll come back and set up my excuse me Krampus. Uh, I'll come back and set it up, and we'll be good." Um, I got to the first destination; they had no trees. Second destination, I went to seven different places in like two and a half hours before I found a tree that wasn't twelve feet fucking tall. Yeah, that's a good size Krampus tree. Yeah, it's pretty like, decent. It's got as, some pine cones. As far some, as Krampus trees go, cranberries. I might cut those off. The berry. What are those? Uh, holly berries. Yeah, they freak me out a little they're bit. Cool. Yeah, uh, they're all right. I gotta get. I gotta go get some my ornaments on. But yeah. I want to get like all satanic ornaments. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. But then I already fucked it up because I started putting like my anime Gashapon on there. So there, I'm so sure it's, Satan loves there's anime. like a, a Pikachu on there. Yeah, Satan's probably way into He's anime. Down. Krampus is also just a way more fun word than Christmas. It is, and it's also a real thing. Like, oh, come December twenty fourth, this shit's going down because I'm not. This isn't for that. It's for December twenty third. Krampus knocked. It's so weird. Read up on it, man. He was fucked up. It's so weird to think he that... ate children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He stole kids. Yeah, he stole kids. Literally, like he would come to their houses, and if kids weren't good, he would steal them. It's and a- weirdly enough, a, a lot Japanese culture has that as well. It's not for Christmas, but in the winter, I just saw a special on it. Um, I forget the name of it, but people dress up like demons, and they walk oh. from village to village, and they go in the houses, and if the kids aren't being good, they like put them in a sack and then the father has to grab the sack back and what like the it, fuck? yeah it's pretty fucking dope it seems like a lot of effort just to teach your kid to be good yeah they're way but into that. Cool. they're way into obedience over there it's so weird to think that like as a jewish person there'd be this exclusionary aspect of it because i have never considered christmas to be a religious holiday yeah, because even you, when, like, you're christian well no like my okay my family they were like we call them um, Easter Christians, which is they'll go to you know. Go Dude, to I yeah, I'm like atheism goes back five generations in my family, but still, for some reason, the rep the the iconic representation of a Christmas tree to me, maybe not even Christian or like Jesus, always equaled not Jewish. It always equaled Gentile to me. Yeah, like we were Jewish, we're supposed to be into menorahs. That's what we got. Like, be proud of it. One year, I convinced my parents to let us decorate a Hanukkah tree. So we bought a Christmas tree, and we we put blue and silver bulbs all over Aww. it. And then, I'm not going to front, that. like, when I was really little, my parents would, like, also put up stockings and shit, because I was spoiled. So, stockings like, are the shit. I want to get stockings it was cool. with it's also, people. And, and no offense to the Jewish religion, but Hanukkah kind of fucking blows. Can, Did you get any cool Hanukkah presents? Yeah, always. I mean, that was the best. Yes. Like, no, Hanukkah, like this year. Oh, no. I'm old now. But that happened this year. I was in th- Florida for Thanksgiving, and I was like, Mom, it's Hanukkah. Where's my gift? She was like, Motherfucker, you're 29. No. Yeah, cr- it's not like Christmas. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I think also you're right. she's like you just went to Japan and I like I she helped me out a little bit with that. So that's I was a good like, that's a good Hanukkah present. Um, but still, it's not like Christmas in the sense that like there's no tradition in our family, at least in my household. It's it's you either have a two ways I think with Hanukkah, either it's just a gift giving excuse thing. Or it's solely religious and you don't really get gifts. Yeah. Like the people who like go to temple and wear yarmulkes and shit, they get like dreidels and pieces of straw, I think. And I don't fucking know. Candy. Yeah, but like I got like Christmas gifts. I would get like Playstations and like you know what I mean? Like I got Playstations. <laughs> it was Jewish Christmas. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I well also there's like there's that's goes back to the whole exclusionary thing. Because if you've got a kid and you're Jewish and all of his friends are like getting Christmas. And that's presents. and every special on TV is is Christmas specials yeah. and your kid loves that. When I was a kid I used to have a blank VHS that my mom taped over the years and it just said X Miss on it. And I would ask for it and it was like four hours of like Charlie Brown Christmas and Sesame Street Christmas and like all these different Christmas specials. Well, I don't pity you. Because Jewish people have like way more holidays, first of all, no, and we, better food. Yeah. Okay. The oh, food I will give you. The holidays. Get tons. Name another. Yeah, but name another holiday besides Hanukkah that is fun and not about being depressed all the time. They're always about being depressed, and they're always the like, not Hanukkah. The reason is sad. But, but, Yom Kippur. Yeah. There, the okay. There's like Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and like. I'm going to go on a stretch here, like Sukkot or Simkat Torah. Regardless, the rest of them are purely religious ceremonies. We don't have another gift-giving family get-together holiday besides Hanukkah. Like, we got the shaft holiday-wise. <laughs> I don't know what Kwanzaa is. I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie. No one knows what it is, and I'm going to be really offensive here. I don't think that many people celebrate it I don't th- outside I think of right. Africa. I think it's an African holiday. Yeah. You know what? It's weird. You just reminded me that, like... Mer- Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, the, yeah, the no, triumvirate of holidays. Kwanzaa exists. No, that like Jewish holidays. I mean, because like I said, I've never thought about Easter or Thanksgiving or Christmas as anything but like an excuse. To Thanksgiving get is American, but yeah, family. that's what they you are. Know, we don't holidays. we don't have that in the Jewish in the Jewish faith. Like the holidays are always about like atoning and fasting and crying. Like get it going, Matt. I should start a new Jewish holiday. Yeah, start a new Jewish holiday or just co-opt those already depressing ones and be like... Into one fun holiday? Yeah. Hey, it sucked back then, but we we got got each other. Hey, guys, we got a good now. Jerry Seinfeld, (laughs) um, Sarah Silverman. We're doing okay. Just those two. (laughs) Jerry Seinfeld (laughs) and Sarah Silverman. It's the only thing going good for us, but we got it. My family has this... Okay, my family, first of all, is like extremely precious about everything and we have just ridiculous traditions for like any holiday we've got like birthday things thanksgiving like it's it gets really sickly sweet but the most excruciating thing and i love my family and i love this but we do stockings every year for my whole family and still as grown adults my sisters and i will like sit in a circle and then we have to take out one thing at a time and the next person takes out and we go, oh my God, chapstick. Thank you, Santa. <laughs> thank you, Santa. Yeah, it's uh, so Still dumb. thank you, Santa? Still, I mean, we say it to our parents, we're like, thanks, Santa. Ha ha, you're not really Santa. Oh, you get but it. Thanks for the chapstick. When did you find out? When did I find out Santa didn't exist? I think that I always believed that. I was setting you up. You should have been actually, like, last year. <laughs> last year. You know what? It was actually that uh, there must have been a year where my sisters and I discovered that the Santa presents and like my parents' presents were the same handwriting and wrapping paper. And we were like, wait a minute. Santa can't do cursive. I got you one better. I thought Santa existed. 
as a little kid and that he hated me because no. <laughs> he never came to my house. Yep. And then once I figured it out, I was like, oh. Was that uh, was that motivation to be on the naughty list or the nice list to be like, oh, he's not coming. It must be because I'm not. No, it was because I was nice. Jewish. <laughs> like Aww. I was fucked. I was like, Santa's anti-Semitic. <laughs> Oh. What was that whole thing about like Black Santa this year? They were like Santa needs to be black because because if he's gonna be black, then he's it's like he needs to honor every every single thing that is feeling excluded. He needs to go to Santa needs to go to Jewish people's houses and he needs to be black sometimes and he, and he needs to be Asian needs and he needs Asian. to be a woman yeah, and he needs to be gay <laughs> and he needs to be gay married yeah. and he needs to be a dog. You can't just pick one. Um. I wouldn't mind the gay Asian Santa. I wouldn't mind, yeah. No. I would like Gaysian Santa. Gosh, shut up. Um, I'd be down. He'd probably have better presents, too. Yeah, and he'd have fashion sense. The ribbons would be all nice. Yeah. Um, and I was about to get really offensive, but I'm not going to. Uh, we were skirting the territory anyway. <laughs> but was Christmas always a big deal for you growing up? Um, Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, it's like I mean, magical, I can't, I can't dude. be like a like... kid and be like, no, fuck Christmas. But it was more, thinking back as a kid, it was Christmas break from school. And like, just, like, I ha- have hated school my entire life. And just as did I. getting getting out for a little bit and doing my thing, doing whatever, like, little Whitney liked to do. Um, there was one Christmas. The Christmas that I got my N64 was like... You remember specifically remember that Christmas? very specifically. That's awesome. Uh, See, that's what... And, and it's not that... I talked to my therapist about this, weirdly enough, which I've noticed every... Since I started going to therapy, I bring it up on every podcast I do. That you have a therapist? I talk about stuff that, I may, that I've discussed in therapy. Aren't I'll be supposed, like... Isn't it supposed to be like a, like a privacy... On their part, hopefully. You can talk about whatever you want. It's like my new NPR. Like, it used to be in conversations like, I heard this thing on NPR. Now it'll be like, I was talking to my therapist (laughs) and, um, very LA. Yeah, um, same level of LA. Uh, but there's definitely a lack of tradition in my household. Not that we're a close family, but like, we don't. It's, I think, I think it is a like New York Jew thing of just like, we're just like, shut up. Everyone, like, we always see each other. You know what I mean? It, it, there's never like, I don't have any Hanukkah memories. If yeah. That's what it brought it up. Like, I don't remember like, oh, that Hanukkah, we went sleigh riding and drank cocoa. And it's w- so funny. I'm the exact opposite. Of course. And like, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's white, good things about it. Because you white girl. I, I don't, I've never met somebody who has as many stupid family traditions as I do. Last, on Thanksgiving, we do, actually, you know, I'm probably not giving everybody else as much credit to be dumb, but. Um, <laughs> you guys might be stupid too, or at least your families. We do thankful notes that we've done since we were babies oh, wow. and articulating them to my mother, and she would write them down. And then, like, it's not just like, hey, what are you thankful for? It's, I'm thankful about uh, my sister, Lindsay, because she, and we have to write it as if the person isn't there. <laughs> what do you mean, it. have to? Well, my, it was something my parents insisted on. And so we would have Thanksgiving breakfast and uh, we'd have breakfast and then read ours out loud. At but breakfast? It's, it's, yes. But it's since it was in being written as if we weren't there, it would be like, I am thankful for Whitney because like I share my toys and like, <laughs> you would read each other's. Yeah, we'd read each other's to us. And it was really funny because we have them all since we were a kid. And like the ones from when we were children and fighting all the time we're like dear kirsten i'm thankful for kirsten because she shares her toys sometimes but sometimes she's a bitch (laughs) 
didn't you once share, didn't your parents buy you a book about, was it a manatee named Whitney? Yeah, which one is Whitney? I think, did I like, did I bring that back? Or I think I just posted a picture. I think you just posted a picture of it. I, what was I it? had like this moment where I confronted my dad about it. My um, parents got me this book as a kid and I rediscovered it uh, in June when I was visiting. And it's called Which One is Whitney? And it's three short stories about this manatee whose name is Whitney and who sucks. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. And is a boy also. <laughs> so as like a little girl, I was like, why did my parents buy me this? The stories are... Um, the first one is great because it's like this uh, manatee that has a bunch of little kids and her friend is like, which one's which? And she's like, do, you know, well, like Sarah's the cute one. Uh, Bobby is the funny one. And like she goes through all these qualities that her children have. And then she's like, and that one's Whitney. Whitney's not very clever or funny or nice or smart. <laughs> and I was reading this as a kid being like, what the Fuck mom and dad. But I love that they just saw the cover and never yeah. read the inside and thought Literally. it would be like cute for their kid. When they, when I, Whitney asked my dad should kill about her it, parents. Like, I don't even remember buying this for you. I just saw your name, probably. I love those moments. It's a weird jumping off point from that, but just the moment you had of like, what are you trying to say to me? Yeah. When I was in, like, fifth grade, I got really into reading in, like, third or fourth grade. And, like, I did, like, the book report on the client when I was, like, nine or something. And everyone was like, whoa. So my mom was like, oh, I'll, rec I'll just start giving him books I like. Because he can, he can read now. And, like, he's a smart kid. Aww. So when I was, like, ten, my mom gave me um, The Witching Hour by Anne Rice. And I was like, oh, awesome, because I think I had read some Stephen King at that point, even, at being, like, 10 years old, and I was like, this will be great. And then, like, 15 pages in, there's a graphic-ass blowjob. And I was like, oh. my, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why did my mom... You gotta mom, read The Witching Hour. Why, there's so much... It's an Anne Rice book, and there's so much graphic sex in all of Anne Rice books that, like, as soon as I started reading the book, I was like... Even as a 10-year-old, I remember being like, this is inappropriate for my mom to have recommended to me. I should not be reading this. <laughs> or highlighting my favorite passages. <laughs> it was pre-internet. Oh, God. Um, families are weird, bro. So, you like Christmas. You like Birdemic-ish. Uh, you've also shot like a bunch of movies this year, haven't you? Yeah. Can you talk about them? Yeah, it was uh, it was a cool year actually. Just in general, I was actually I was writing this morning, and I was like, so much shit has happened because I got hired at Nerdist to do comic book reviews, and then like immediately after that, this is also the year that my parents were like, you don't have to go to college, and this is a huge deal from my That's Silicon awesome. Valley family. Like everybody is in sales, and I'm like the one who is down here. So it, it's been a huge year because I got hired at Nerdist, and then like. I left for the whole summer to shoot a zombie movie in Canada and this really weird uh, comedy in Louisiana that I'm super excited about. And like, I don't know. It's It's been cool and very weird. And also I was in Max's movie for a second. Oh, yeah. So so was I. What are you in it? Uh, a spooky trio. It, it, oh, really? it, it makes a cameo. That's cool. I fall. I make this face. If you guys can't see what she's doing, which you can't because you're listening, she's making a funny, uh, what I believe they call a derp face. Yeah, I'm like double chinning my neck and like t tucking my upper lip up. So from like, Birdemic to that, yeah, guys. Yeah, um, made it. What, what about the other two films? Can you, like, what's the zombie movie and what's the comedy? Okay, um, the zombie movie is called Breakdown Lane. Promote your shit, and, dude. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize I could 
hear that. <laughs> Listen, internet. Um, so Breakdown Lane's going to be cool uh, because it's about this chick who goes and she her car breaks down in the desert. She's on her way to see her boyfriend. She's talking to her OnStar guy and they slowly realize that it's the zombie apocalypse together and then like all this shit happens. Just to push I didn't know what car. that's about. Yeah. That's awesome. It's really cool and um, it's going to be really weird because I'm the only person in the movie. Other than I'm, the zombies in the OnStar voice. Yeah. And it's like voice. a her. It's just me. It's like here's an hour with Whitney pushing a car. Hopefully it's cool. I get to fight some zombies. Um, I have a big scar on my knee because she drives this giant, um, this giant SUV, and we're like, we need to figure out a way that I can push this. And I tried it, and I totally fucking did you face plant i pushed it so hard i fell and i got a a rock lodged in my knee and we sealed it up with super glue nice it's cool you're hardcore dude oh well then i I learned the origin of super glue which is that it was made for for wounds wounds. in the war okay i feel good dumping a bunch of this and beforehand you were just like i guess (laughs) (laughs) do you guys know what this is for i mean if there's anything that you've learned from talking to me it's that uh i i tend to put my own physical and emotional needs aside if there's a project or Or pizza yeah or pizza you love pizza anything for pizza oh um and Which was the original title of the Meat Love song, and they were like, "Love, turn it, tune it down." I do anything for pizza. Like we know, we know you like food. Man. I did actually. I shot a, a couple of music videos too um, with Brandon Dermer. I, I did the uh, Major Laser video, which was pretty cool. And the guys um, who did um, Bubble Butt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Diplo. Um, oh, that's huge, dude. Which, by the way, um, his song "Pond to Floor." I guess this is like really old news, and I'm sort of out of the loop. Uh, pop culture music wise but Beyonce did a song called Who Run the World yeah that Who Run the World that whole thing is that's a Diplo song that's it's a um, did she like pay for the I've no see I got really weird about it at first because I was like wait this is it doesn't say anywhere on the YouTube video it doesn't say featuring Diplo I guess if you sample from something yeah you, you just have to pay to for it, it you don't have to credit it's like, it it's the entire song and it, you should look at it. Actually, um, I think Tim and Eric directed the music video. It's a. It's I think a they also cool did Bubble Butt. Yeah, that's a great song. Uh, I wish I'd been in that video twerking, but instead we did Scare Me. And I have a pizza music video coming. I, out saw, next I saw the pizza one, didn't you, I? Oh yeah, you saw it at my birthday. It yeah, still yeah, hasn't yeah. been released yet, um, um, but it's gonna be pizza face. In January. Yeah. Um. Oh, sweet. That reminds me of something. Um. And then what was the comedy you did? The comedy was uh, shot in Baton Rouge, and it's called Student Bodies. Um, it's about a girl who was like bullied as a kid, and she sort of got stunted emotionally, and she's this really sort of goofy, unflappable virgin girl who doesn't know anything about sex, and she returns to her old high school to teach sex ed, but she doesn't know anything about sex, and hilarity ensues. Um and it's cool. I'm really excited about that one. It's super weird. Si- Dirt nasty's in it. And the anyway. little birdie told me you two have a makeout scene. Yeah, we well, it's, it's sort of like a. It's supposed to be a sloppy because he plays this douchebag and I'm like dumb in what it. A shock. And she, it's God, it's it's gonna be a weird one. He takes his dick out in it too, but I think it's a stand-in dick. Um, there's a dick shot in it. Uh, wow, man, full no frontal, boobs, full frontal dudity. D- yeah, my favorite kind of dudity. But uh, no boobs, you say? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. Do you um, not remember if you took your boobs out in the movie? I don't remember. I never remember about my boobs. 
But um, it's I like it because it could have gone when I was reading the script. It could have gone the way that I wouldn't want, which is like, oh, she discovers her sexuality and learns to be an adult. But instead, she totally it's about being okay with yourself. And like, she's like, uh, you know what? I it's about feeling good. And she like she like wins over the whole class because she is a cool, positive person. And she's like, it's okay that I'm a virgin. And that's, I mean, I won't spoil it, but... But that's the end. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but now you don't have to that's see it. That's the whole thing. You're good. <laughs> um, what else are you into, man? You're way into, like, weird music. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> do you, like, do you yeah. like your musical taste being described as weird? I like weird. I like weird anything. If somebody's like, hey, this is weird, I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Um, but actually, like, this last week, I, uh, I just moved by myself to Silver Lake, which has been, like, a also a totally weird part of my life because i've lived with at least four people the entire time i've lived down here um so i was like walking my neighborhood and i found a really cool comic book store and i talked to i just got um this new uh ed brubaker comic called velvet i don't know that i think nerdist it's really good and i talked to this girl who was working there about brubaker for like a really long time what's that store called again uh, Secret Headquarters. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. on uh, Sunset. Yeah, it's really, they carry a lot of it's really super cool, cool stuff. And it's a, a nice lot of really store, good too. Art, too. And then next door, they have like, it's like a cool record store. It's yeah, vacation. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, we carry really obscure, we carry like beats for yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's too cool. Like, you it's walk in there and you look at the cool. new releases and you're like, I haven't heard of a single one of the groups you carry in yeah, this store, it's, sir. It's a little intimidating, but then like, I was in. A, I must have been in like a chatty mood because I started talking them up, and I was like, uh, "You're just walking have, door to door, talking to yeah, people in yeah. your new neighborhood. Like, hi, I'm Whitney. I live here now. <laughs> They're like, great. A lot of people do. I talked to a schizophrenic guy last night for a long time. Also, did you know he was schizophrenic the whole time? He, well, he was hiding in a corner. There's the Vista Theater, and he was hiding in that alley. And I was walking past to go <laughs> by, get by that by that bar like, or whatever. Yeah. Good time. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Sup, nigga." And I was, Shit, that was a soft day, guys. I, I gave him a wave. Oh, I didn't say it. I gave him like a little wave, and I was like, "Okay, cool." And then he followed cool. me, and he was like, "Hi, I'm George." And he had this he had long, long hair, and probably was much younger than he looked, and was wearing soiled pajamas, and was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I wrote that. Look, that's the conspiracy, and this it's like stereotypical. Things that a schizophrenic person would say. And then, lo and behold, I, like, look down at the ground and etched into the cement is, like, a whole... It's like a Bible. And he's like, that's all the stuff you shouldn't do. That's the conspiracy. That's the stuff they want you to know. And I was like, cool, man. Good talking to you. And I went up to the movie theater. Bye, George. And he was, like... Passed me and like went up to the box office guy and was like, "This lady needs a ticket." And I was like, "Oh yeah, just checking the time. I'm gonna go over here now." And then I walked. And Were you gonna go see a movie or are you just trying to like no, duck into? I was like, on my way to hide. go get wine, and then I was like, "Okay, maybe I'll just like you know be maybe like, I'll see right, a cool. movie for two hours <laughs> to hide from this guy." <laughs> to talk to anybody. And then he crossed the street with me and started talking to me about Amanda Palmer, and I told him that I learned from her <laughs> creep on ukulele, and then I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'll see you at Amanda Palmer. And I was like, I don't know what that was. What's means. funny is Amanda Palmer played in LA last night. Oh, maybe maybe he was referring to that. Maybe he was going to the Amanda maybe Palmer show. Maybe that's why he is homeless. Was it Neil Gaiman? <laughs> Did he have a British accent? Hiding in, <laughs> Hiding in an alleyway, <laughs> dropping the N-bomb? <laughs> um, cool. That conversation <laughs> ended weird. So I like my... Uh... Neighborhood is what I'm saying. <laughs> my new neighborhood. And uh, now that everyone knows exactly where you live, yes. uh, 
Um, but I uh, just act crazy and she'll talk to you. Yeah, I only. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so this record, I wanted to finish talking about the record yeah, store yeah. because I was super intimidated by it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I, I wanted to see if they had a Walkman album because they just broke up. And he was like, no, no, but let me pull some other things. And it turns out, of course, they're super friendly and nice. And, like, you've no reason to ever be intimidated. So I ended up getting this super cool, like, 70s space music. Oh, you told me about that. It was yeah, it's yeah. so awesome. It's called, like, Into the Cosmos or something. It's got this band called Space Art. When I was interviewing um, Jacob Gentry for his music video, he told me all about space art. And, like, the idea of... I mean, even this is like, I love the Twilight Zone and stuff like that, but like the past's uh, interpretation of what the future is going to be like is so interesting and it's so different every decade. It's like, especially the music. So cool. That's awesome, man. Um, You're into cool stuff. Uh, Any video games lately you're digging on? Um, No, but I just bought Fallout 2 because... You never played Fallout 2? No, I started with 3 and that website, uh, GOG... Which is two. Two is for computers. Oh, two is before yeah. It's, yeah. DC. And um, I never even played two. No, me neither. But I heard two was really good and I wanted to play one of the old ones. Do you on have a PC? Uh, no, but apparently my shitty Mac can run it. Really? Like, that's that's, that's how old your Mac is. I just, I just don't have a I don't have a mouse and I feel like I need to have a mouse because I can't use that dumb scrolling the trackpad thing. thing. Yeah. Um, but this website, it's GOG.com and I think I think it's an acronym for like good old games. It does like, you know, past releases of games. And they did a thing where they released Fallout 1 and 2 for free for like a night. And they were like, all right, I'm just going to download this. Oh, that's awesome. Is it fun? So, I haven't started. I don't have a mouse. Oh, well, there's that one. problem. Yeah, get um, a mouse, man. But actually, I felt really bad because I haven't been playing a lot of games recently. And I didn't play... Didn't play Grand Theft Auto, and like I totally understand and get why it's amazing, but like it's just it seems like such a long haul. I talked about another podcast. It was amazing for a week, and then it was like, oh okay. I think that people really appreciated what you can do with it, and like I I was asked um, to judge a video game like by South by Southwest. They're having a video game um, like nomination award thing, and they were like, send us some games. And so it was more, I felt so bad because it was more research that I was doing about games that I wanted to play. <laughs> than games and, like, you've actually games played. games that I played. But I definitely have a good solid list going now that I've done my research of games that I want to play. You have time to time to catch up? Yeah. Have you heard of Fez? No. Uh, that was one that is a Steam one. And it's like, this. it's a platformer, but it's in like 3D. Like you can change your view. It's really oh, cool. cool. Yeah. And uh, the music apparently is amazing on it i'm so playing nice i'm one. playing the um fables game on steam i didn't even know there was a fables game yeah it's telltale so it's people did walking dead oh. it's like the old lucasarts point and click it's called the wolf among us it's like a big b game it's oh, really yeah. fucking cool yeah i remembered hearing about the wolf among us a million times but then never bothered looking it's into a fables it. game they've already released the first episode and it's really fucking fun if you like fables yeah it's, i love it's fables. amazing now i really want to read yeah totally it. it's on steam um Awesome, dude. So, what what does the rest of the year hold for you? You have another what week and a half? Oof. Uh, honestly, I'm so excited for this year to come to an end. Like, I am. I'm hibernating. I'm going up north. Um, I I was gifted a sewing machine by my stylist friend, and like all of our friends sew, and it's a really nice one. So, I want to like they do sew um, myself some curtains or uh, something. Mylin from Team Unicorn 
made team unicorn jackets for her, Claire, and Riley. Aww. And um, they're the cool. I like. I've never been more annoying about something in my life. At a party the other night, she gave them to them, and um, I, they she tweeted pictures. They've all tweeted pictures. If you guys want to see, uh, they're like pleather jackets. But what Mylin did was she took like LED neon tubing and shaped it into the form of their unicorn logo and then put a battery pack like in the jacket so it is a glow up like glow in the dark blinking or solid or like continuous laser light that's so jacket. impressive and i was like how did you do that and she told me it was like like three different kinds of wiring and all this stuff and she cut the piece of the jacket out and sewed it back in and i was like and when you make me want to say geek <laughs> see that's do. one thing that's really really cool about like, the internet co- is you can learn to do Dude, Anything. the stuff that our friends make, like cosplay wise, blows my fucking mind. I can't sew a button. It's easy. it's pretty easy to sew a button. I'll learn one day. You could do it. It's, if you it's wanted. I feel but, like yeah. it's the actual like knot of the thread on the needle that fucks me up. People who like cut resin and make armor molds and like do props, it's 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 insane because you're working with chemicals and you're doing you're building things. I have such an appreciation and respect for anybody who does stuff themselves and fixes can like build and, like, shit yeah, yeah, yeah me too yeah, i have yeah, so yeah. much respect for that and i i want to learn i'm trying i hung up all my pictures in my new place you're getting myself. there dude that's I almost that's almost like pouring a pvc mold into a costume <laughs> yeah hanging hang some frames and, and fucking up your finger in the process i only sliced my finger and broke two frames <laughs> yeah, you're, you're good dude ne- <laughs> next stop broadway yeah. i don't know why broadway would be the next stop Broadway's, but well yeah I don't know. costume designers <laughs> i don't know guys uh uh, where can people uh, check you out on the internet? That sounds really weird. Uh, well, my my butt has been on the internet a lot because you put it there. Because I put it there. No, you know, <laughs> lie. Uh, I guess that's if somebody wants to check. Me explain out. explain what that might mean oh, so it doesn't God. sound really so, weird. Yeah, you're right. Okay, it started it started in Birdemic, of course, because as an eighteen year old, I was like, okay, love scene, I can do this, and I was in my underwear, so you can easily find a picture of my eighteen year old booty online. Uh, and then it was like, okay, like my butt activity was pretty low for a couple years. <laughs> and then um, Vanessa Walton, my good friend who does um, costume design also, and she she makes these very pretty flower crowns. We did a photo shoot with our friends and um, I was wearing like these booty shorts in them and then those were put on the internet. So that was like a thing. And then most recently, uh, there's a... A, a workout studio in Los Angeles here called Pop Physique. Um, that's like sort of ballet method. And um, I was hired to be a butt model for them. So what I'm saying is that I have an ass to aspire to. From Birdemics to butts, guys. The Whitney Moore story. <laughs> story my novel. It's uh, mostly pictures. And what if they don't want to see your butt and would rather like see what you have to see, say? See stuff? Oh, God, who cares? No, um, I uh, I'm on Twitter. Tweet me more. I um, say a lot of really dumb stuff, and uh, you can look for me on Facebook. I guess I don't know if you know me. Yeah, if you're my friend and I've met you, I actually um, I was thinking for a really long time that I wanted to start making ukulele covers and putting them out there, but it's exactly like we were talking about, which is there's. There's too much. I don't want to be another girl. Another cute girl with a ukulele a playing, playing a cover of fucking Get Lucky. Yeah, trying to like skate by on just making it cute. No. I And then, so I don't have like a YouTube channel or anything is what I'm saying. But you might soon. 
Nope. Okay. No, that's never. not. So the ukulele, co- the ukulele cover videos are done. <laughs> done. I know. I I've made a post with my friend saying like, if I made a dumb cover, I'll like. I'll make like a compilation and do one video and like all the things that my friends requested. And I got a lot and I learned because it's more for my own improvement, trying to like learn how to play better. But I thought it might be neat if people are like, oh, okay, that's for me. And so I made a cover for somebody. But most of my friends were like, play Slayer, do Number of the Beast. And so I'm going to do it anyways, but they're not going to like it. That's awesome. So if you're a friend of Whitney, get excited for her her cover of Slayer's Number of the Beast. If you're not friends with Whitney, you're out of luck. You can only see her butt. <laughs> um, Whitney, this was awesome. Thanks for coming by and chatting. Thanks, man. We'll, I like to chat. We'll do it again sometime. Okay. Um, we'll talk about like manga and stuff, too. Yeah. Because you're way into that. And um, I'm like here, I guess, and I'll do more of these. If you guys really want them, um, yeah, that's about it. Have them... Guten Krampus, mein Herren. I don't even speak German. What did you just say? Good Krampus, my friends. Herren. My, my man. I, yeah, yeah. Mein Herren. No, Herr is Mister. Mein Herren. Herren. Good, good Krampus, my man. <laughs> I'm Matt Cohen. It's been bagged aboard, and it's been real. What? Bagged and boarded. <laughs> Matt and Jesse watch lots of movies Get mad ladies, smoke mad doobies Bet and boarded it's the way you life Tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your hoe, tell your wife Coming at you on a weekly basis Kicking up pod for your sexy faces These are two free kids you want a bone In the secret podcast bunker all alone On the internet we be the top crooks We got issues and we don't be funny books Homie Jimmy Moore and the dinos are chilling Me and JR we got the top villains Sit down, relax, and yo and take a seat Get ready for the top podcast, you all agree Others spit loud but I can spit fast I'm Matt Cohen, I'm the Geek Master. Got everything you could possibly want in it. An hour of us in the Brento minute. I'm a little laid back and he's making a little maniacal. Could we just talking shit? Who said the show was viable? Walking in the door, smoking that Jimmy Moore. You're listening from Alabama, Hogan with a single phone. With just two weeks and that's the topic of discussion. Had each other's notes on the green on nothing. Quick stop and I told you, storming like a typhoon. It's not right, it's wrong. It's taking lots of bonkers. We're teaching every show, everyone celebrates. Cause we got comics, movies, and a little penetration. I regret every episode as soon as it's recorded. Cause I'm down to earth and that is out of orbit. We're not quite right, our thoughts are distorted So now we present to you another bag of boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded Yeah! This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio Sir, only at Smodcast.com